Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Landon Tangwall. Landon, my friend, how are you doing? I know you're visiting the city of brotherly love this week. How is Philadelphia treating you? Yeah, Jim, it's it's great. I'm I'm in your I'm in your homestead, man. I'm over here having a good time. I'm uh, headed downtown today and headed for my first Philly cheesesteak. My first time in Philly. You know, I'm a Maryland guy. I'm used to my crab cakes and, and being on the water. But I, I meant to ask you. We were talking beforehand. What type of cheese do I need to get on my on my Philly cheesesteak? Is it cheese whiz? Is there? Is it? What, what, I need you to guide me a little bit here. Well, the the default is cheese whiz, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I got to admit, I'm a provolone guy, the Landon. So, all right, all right. I guess I'll, I'll just I'll just take it as it comes. I'll I'll see what I'm feeling once once I get to uh, whatever shop I head to. But I, I'm excited <laughs> for the experience. Enjoy it, enjoy. All right, uh, Landon. A uh, lot going on this week. This is kind of going to be a news and notes kind of day. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of changes. We're going to be talking about rule changes, weight changes, position changes. But this is my first chance to talk to you since our uh, great event at Cafe Two Ten last Monday, Landon. I thought it went really well. Uh, we had tremendous guests with from the basketball team, uh, basketball player, Allie Brigham, something unusual for you. She was looking at you eye to eye. She was, Jim. I, so I went up to her, I went up to her before the event and I was just, you know, I walked up to her and I was just like, man, this is absolutely crazy. There's not many, you know, I'm standing here about six, six. There's not many women I go up to that. I look right in, right in the eyes. And she would, but she was a great interview. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Allie, you know, coach Keegs with the basketball program. Char, it, it was really a great time. It was a great turnout at Cafe 210. And then I think after Jim left around 9 p.m., I think I was there till about 1030, <laughs> still talking to people in the back room. And then after I leave the back room, the conversations, you know how it goes, Jim, somehow turns into outside. So, you know, you, you, you migrate a little bit out. So you keep moving closer to your car, but you still can't get away from everybody. So then I'm outside in, in the cold for 30 minutes, ch- chopping it up with people. And, you know, and I loved every minute of it. That's what I really enjoy. And I love talking to the fans, talking to everybody that just wants to be involved, that wants to help out um, and teammates for life, what they're doing. It's a great cause. Uh, and then also just as far as, you know, helping out with NIL and, and, you know, in women's sports, we know, obviously the focus is, you know, football at Penn state, we know what it is, but you know, got to want to help out the other sports. One of it's Penn state, it's a team, uh, you know, as a whole, we are a community and, you know, we want to, we want to help everybody out and give everybody a shot. And I think that, uh, that, that was a really fun event and I look forward to more, uh, live events, uh, downtown. <laughs> And we are going, that's what our, one of our announcements to tease it a little bit. We are going, I talked with Char uh, the other day. We are going to do more of the events, more like once a month. One thing to clarify that I should, because Teammates for Life, it is not an, a collective or an NIL. They are supporting women's sports, but it's, it's, they're quick to point out they're not involved with NIL. But we want to thank everybody who showed up. It was a great turnout. Like going into this, you know how nervous I was, Landon. Like, are people going to show up? 
we ended up with more, many more than we thought. The room was overflowing. There were people back in the bar listening because they uh, plugged it into their stereo system. So a great time. Thank you all who showed up. And by the way, Landon, I would have been right with you sticking around, except I have an hour and a half drive home and I needed to beat the snow. By the way, not only did I get like six, eight inches of snow, but Tuesday morning, the, the morning after I went, sat down at my computer to start working, I wasn't at my computer for two minutes when my power went out. I was without power for a couple of days. Again? Again. I've Guys. lived in my home for over 20 years, never had a power outage longer than five minutes. Now this year, twice within a, a month or two, I've had it happen twice for a couple days. Landon, you do not want to be without power. No, and not 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 in this time of the year, Jim. But it, it seems as though the power company is not a fan of the Keystone Kickoff Show <laughs> in any way at all. They they don't want to hear us. They don't want us to be on air. So you know we we gotta we gotta do this, I guess, to fight the power company. So we, we gotta keep, we gotta keep chugging along, Jim. Yeah, we'll get to. It. But by the way, they have the power company out here. Uh, they have the outage maps that you could go look at. Literally. It was so narrow that were 21 customers, okay, in my outage. 21. That is it. 21. And uh, anyway, we, we now have power landed. So let's move on. Let's start talking some football. Let's start talking some Penn State football. And it was really interesting this week, and it's always fun how we find this out, when they put out a new roster, a huge position change. I think a lot of fans have talked about this for a long time before, but Abdul Carter, star linebacker, is now star defensive end, Landon. What's your take on that? Yeah, Jim, I, I like this move a lot for him. Um, first off, for him as a as an NFL prospect, I think this is best case scenario for him. Uh, saw something similar with Micah, how, you know, fully started out was, he was a DN in high school, then kind of went back to linebacker. And then Coach Pry had Micah kind of moving around, doing a ton of different things. Um, and I remember, actually, when I was trying my best to get Chop Robinson away from Maryland, that's kind of how we recruited him originally, kind of saying, because at the time at Maryland, Chop, we had talked about it previously on this podcast, Chop was kind of similar to a Micah Abdul where, believe it or not, he wasn't rushing the passer every down. For for those Penn State fans that are flabbergasted by that, there's a reason that Maryland is Maryland. I had, to throw, I had to throw a little shot in there. I had to throw a little shot in there, but Maryland had Chop Robinson dropping into coverage. But, you know, the way that Coach Pry used, uh, used Micah Parsons was fantastic and really started to u- utilize him as a rusher. Um, and then, you know, like I said, brought Chop in, and he just kind of turned into a, a, a pure pass rusher there. But, you know, then you look at Abdul – and towards the end of the season, in those in those third down packages where we just have three linemen rushing, uh, and you know maybe have seven guys up on the line, but three down linemen, um, he he started to become one of those DNs sometimes rushing off the edge, um, especially in, in in the last game when we were kind of without Adiz Isaac, without Chop Robinson, um, and he, he does a really good good job there. He's he's very strong, very athletic, uh, and it has some pretty defined pass rush you know, moves. He's something he practiced, he practiced a lot. 
Um, and he would come down with us all the time in pass rush one-on-ones. And instead of being with the linebackers and the running backs when they're doing one-on-ones, he would come down with the, with the DNs and the D-line and get some pass rush uh, reps in. So this isn't anything that's very new to him. This is something that he's been doing since he's been here. Uh, it's, it's a skill that he's been working on since, since he arrived at Penn State. Uh, but I, I think it's great for him as an NFL prospect. And we, we've seen kind of how Micah really took off. I think, you know, Micah's first year, he played a lot more of really a linebacker position for the Cowboys. And now he's essentially a full-time pass rusher. Um, and I think Abdul, he talks a lot with Micah. And I, I'm sure that was a big influence on him. And Micah said, hey, look, this was the best thing for my career. Uh, you know, we're very similar athletes. They both have the most insane closing speed I've ever seen, all that type of stuff. And there is some worries about if he puts on too much weight, is he going to lose any of that? I don't think so. I think he is the best athlete I've ever seen uh, on the field that I've been around. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how we kind of continue to utilize him. I don't think he'll be a, a strict at strict at the DM position. I think we'll see him move around. I think when we do get into those third down packages uh, because of the pass rushers we have, see him move around like Micah does in the NFL. Micah lines up over the center, lines up over guards. Try to create those mis- mismatches each week. You know, if you say you have a really good, both teams are playing Ohio State and they have a really good tackles, or maybe they have a weakness inside a guard. Hey, on those third downs, line them up over the right guard. Let them take advantage of that weakness. Um, so I'm really excited to see uh, how how we utilize Abdul here. Uh, but it's I, th- I think it's a great move. I think it's something that was everybody within the uh, organization kind of expected to happen eventually, and it's seemed like something that Abdul wanted to do. Uh, so I, I think both parties are really happy. Uh, with this transition, and it should be fun throughout spring ball to kind of keep an eye on uh, on how that transition's working out for him. Landon, I've always been the advocate for get your talent on the field as much as possible. You know, you work it out. If there's duplicates at a position, find a way. And a year ago, you had Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson, not to mention Deny Dennis Sutton, also at defensive end. Well, you really didn't need Abdul Carter there. Well, two of those guys are gone and are going to be playing in the NFL. So I think the other part of it is it fills in that gap. So the question then becomes, how about at linebacker? What does linebacker look like as far as you're concerned? Yeah, you know, I think we see young Tony Rojas. We love him on this show. He absolutely stepped up even towards the end of the season at Maryland, had some really good plays. Uh, and then, you know, just in the in the uh, in the Peach Bowl, just played a really solid game when he was in. Uh, and it seems like someone that you can count on at that position. So I think we see Tony Rojas take over one of those either Sam or Will linebacker spots, one of those outside linebacker spots. Um, and then Kobe King, we talked about, you know, a little bit towards the end of the season. I think what he has done for this defense is he is so underrated. I think, you know, he, only, he leads the team in tackles almost every single game. If it's not KJ Winston, it's Kobe King. And he really anchors that defense. I, I, like I said, I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. Um, and he, he, you know, he takes a beating in there. Being a, a inside linebacker in the Big Ten against you know Michigan, Ohio State, and guys are running it down your throat. It, it, it's not easy. Uh, and he does a really good job. So I think you know we can we continue to see Kobe King uh, kind of lead lead this uh, defense in the middle with a mixture of Tyler Elsden still obviously being around there at middle linebacker. Um, and then on the outside, on the other, you know, wherever Tony Rojas doesn't play, the other outside linebacker slot, I think there's going to be some competition. I think you have Dom DeLuca, 
who is a captain on this team. He will be a, now a second-year captain uh, th- this next year. Uh, is, is fantastic on special teams and may even you know make some splash plays for us. Um, so I'm you know excited to see the opportunity. Maybe he might have to start on defense and really upgrade his role from being a you know kind of a role player on defense and a star on special teams to a star on both. Um, and then there's you know there's a couple other young guys. Uh, you got uh, you got Tamir Robinson. Uh, you got a, you got a couple other young guys, uh, Keon Wiley, that have gotten some playing time. Uh, so I think there's going to be a competition, but there there is a lot of depth to uh, to compete and kind of fill out that other linebacker position. But I definitely see Tony Rojas and Kobe King as as for sure starters on this uh, on this linebacking core headed into the 2024 season. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun to see Abdul Carter let loose at defensive end and doing what he does best, get after the quarterback. All right, Landon, that's going to be it for quarter number one. We still have a lot to get over, go over, and I'm going to give you a little heads up. We might have an appearance from Salty Jim, okay? So I want you to get ready for that. I'm ready, Jim. (laughs) Stay tuned. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Landon Tangwall. I'm Jim Galante. This is quarter number two of our show. And between segments, we were just chatting about a couple topics we have. We took our notes ahead of the show, what we want to talk about. But I let Landon make some programming decisions here in, you know, what topic we wanted to talk about next. Landon decided he wanted Salty Jim to make an appearance right away. So, Landon, you asked for it. You're going to get it. There are some potential rule changes coming to the NCAA football this season or I say this season who knows how quickly they would implement it but one of the things they talked about was putting in a two-minute warning like they have in the NFL now before Salty Jim shows up I want to get your take on it what you think of them adding a two-minute warning yeah I mean I you know I don't think that would be too big of a deal personally um, and making it as much like the NFL as possible. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there's honestly sometimes that, you know, I think more people are NFL fans than, than college football. I think, you know, there's obviously fan base that are bigger in college football just because people, you know, went to that school. So they're going to follow it. But I think there's a lot of times that people will be watching college football and say, Hey, the clock didn't stop at two minutes. You know, what's going on? I, I think so. A lot of casual, casual fans that will happen. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. We have seen that the games, you know, are a little bit longer now. Um, well, actually, no, sh- sorry, a little bit shorter with the with the with the stopping, uh, the, not stopping the clock af- after first downs and getting more TV, you know, TV timeouts and that stuff. We, we've kind of noticed over the years 
the commercials get longer, you know, the, the broadcast a little bit longer as a whole, you know, uh, but it, what I saw is the two minute warning actually gives the refs a, a, you know, a good chunk of time to sit there and say, okay, you know, is there anything we need to look at? Is the clock set? Uh, you know, is there, you know, just give them some time to regroup. Uh, so from my understanding is the refs really do like having two minute warnings. Um, and I think it could make, you know, it could make for good, you know, more intense games. I think if there's a scenario where, you know, say you have one timeout and there's two minutes left and you can essentially run the ball out and maybe give it back to them with 10 seconds, you know, they're not going to win. But now you have a timeout and the two minute warning. And now you have, you know, a minute, 10 seconds instead of, you know, 20 seconds to, to try to make something happen. So I'm not, I'm not completely against it. But I'm interested to see Salty Jim's take, and I'm kind of curious why why you're salty about this. I, I I need I need your opinion. I need your take on this, Jim. <laughs> well, I don't really have a problem with the two minute warning. I really don't. However, here's where my problem is. As you mentioned, they changed the rules last season because they wanted to shorten the games for television. Okay. So they didn't say, well, gee, we have much longer halftime than the NFL does. If we want to save a couple minutes, why don't we shave a couple minutes off halftime? No, no. They took football away from us, Landon. They took, on average, four and a half plays away from us to save four minutes of time, actual time. Now, if their argument was so that they could fit like, The game starts at noon. They want to be sure it's done at 3.30 for the start of the next time, next game. They want it to fit in that block, okay? Well, I got some advice for them. Like I said, short and half time. Here's the other thing. Noon game, right? Noon game. Do you know what time noon games often start? 12.05, 12.07. There's your four minutes right there. I don't want to hear the studio for an extra five minutes. Instead, you stole away four and a half plays per game from me, Landon, okay? I wanted it back. So now you could argue by putting in a two-minute warning that it could help a team coming back. That's true. But all you're doing is counteracting what you did last year. Then this is what makes me even saltier. Some of the quotes from the NCAA guys were, well, what they're looking to avoid is the the back-to-back commercials where team scores a touchdown, go to commercial. Kickoff goes into the end zone, they go to commercial break again. They never had that before. It's you trying to cram commercials in. There was no need for that anyway. So then here's my favorite um, favorite quote. They said this came from the NCAA. They think television would be supportive of this rule change. Well, of course they will. They get to run more commercials, Landon. Why wouldn't they be supportive of it? Why don't you just stop running plays and just give us commercials for three and a half hours, okay? That is your salty gym. I'm not upset about the ruling of itself. It's the people who run it that... I have a problem with Landon. All right, Jim. Here I, I got a rebuttal. I, I, I like I like those points. You made some good points. And I, I will say you're absolutely right about those couple minutes. I would notice when, you know, we're getting ready to go out for kickoff. And in college football, 
the team stay in the locker room uh, for, for the national anthem and stuff like that. And they normally come out with about three to four minutes before kickoff and everybody goes down to the end zone and, you know, so does do what they need to do. And then it's kickoff time. Um, and I would always notice I'd look up at the clock and we wouldn't even start heading out until, you know, 12.03, 12.04. And, you know, it's not like that in the NFL at all. They're kicking off at 101, 102 at max. I mean, we'll kick off at 12, 10, 12, 11. It, it is, it is pretty egregious. Uh, and I've talked about it with some friends that it's a really interesting point that you make there. And then, you know, talking about obviously the TV, the TV companies, they, they want to cram in as many commercials as possible. Um, and the NCA, they love it. That's more money. That's bigger TV deals. And speaking of TV deals, I was texting you this morning <laughs> about this. I saw that the college football playoffs just inked an, an uh, extension uh, through 2033. Um, and obviously the college football playoffs is going to be much bigger. There's going to be much more games. So, you know, it makes sense that, that, that they kind of needed to rework a little bit of a deal. But rights are worth $7.8 billion over the next nine years, Jim. I mean, $7.8 billion. And how much of that do they want to share with the, with the players? I mean, that's, I mean, you start putting out these type of deals, you know, that with the NCA and, and, the, and the TV and the TV companies, it's, you know, it, it's hard to say, hey, you know, you, you still, you still can't, you guys still can't get any of the, of the TV media rights where, you know, it's, it's just kind of getting out of hand, Jim, I think soon here if these these deals keep keep going the way they're going i know we've talked about in the past but i think some players are going to start to stand up and i think there's going to be people that want to help these players out and also want to you know get their chunk of money but you know some professionals some lawyers and that type of thing and we've seen how how the supreme court and how how these courts they're not a fan of the nca at all so i don't know how how much more the nca wants in court so, but I, I saw that this morning and this earlier this week, I just think that's an absurd amount of money and, you know, it's great for the sport, but time to, time to, you know, distribute that, that money throughout, you know, evenly similar to how the NFL does where they're, you know, they're about 50, 50 with the players and in, in the league, as far as, you know, media deals and, and TV deals. And, you know, we're sitting around, you know, 15% uh, and, you know, the NCAA taking closer to, 85 80% of the uh, of the money from all the all the media rights. Well, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. First of all, I am an advocate for the players getting paid. They are the stars. You know, I don't come to see an athletic director play. I I come to see the players play, okay? And it, the the numbers are huge and the NCAA would have short-circuited a lot of these issues if they would have started sharing some of the money with the players previously. It probably would not have gotten to court and have their butt handed to them, as you pointed out by the Supreme Court. But here's the devil's advocate side of it. A couple things. One is the athletic department doesn't just support football. It supports all the other sports at Penn State. So it's not like all the money is getting put into the athletic director's pocket or the athletic administration's pocket. Now, I'm not saying Penn State's athletic department is the most efficiently run operation in the world, Landon, but money has to go to support the other, or it's been chosen to support some of the other sports also. So that there is part of that to the equation. 
here's the other part to it is a lot of old school guys will say, hey, wait a minute. You're already getting a scholarship to play. Do you know, like you're from Maryland. Do you know what the standard cost of tuition, room, and board is at Penn State for someone like yourself out of state? I mean, I think it's close to $50,000, right? Yep, that's very, it's $52,000 is what they put out there as the number. So at $50,000, just for the 85 scholarship players at Penn State, that's $3.5 million that's going to the players. And if you go over the 133 Division I teams in college football, that's $475 million. Approximately half a billion dollars goes to the players every year. And I'm using Penn State's numbers. I'm sure there's some that are less, some that are more, but I just use Penn State's numbers. So a lot of old-timers will argue Hey, you're already getting that, Landon. Shouldn't that count? Yeah, I and I think that's kind of been the argument in the past too. You know, before NIL even came about, was you know players kind of in an uproar, saying, "Hey, we deserve something. We deserve to be compensated a little bit more." And you know, some of those people, Jim, your your age range, they seem to <laughs> d- d- dislike it a little bit more. No offense to anybody, but uh, and they say, "Hey." You guys are already getting scholarships. You know, you're already getting a little stipend. You're getting your housing taken care of. You got food. Uh, you know, isn't that enough? And, you know, I, I do agree that it's obviously it's amazing. That's It's very nice to have all those things. And it, it's absolutely, uh, you know, a blessing. But when you kind of, I think you have to look at what, you know, those people that are getting, what are we generating? What are the college football players generating? And that, that's kind of what I go to. I think what's your production and what you're putting out. Um, and then, you know, what, what are they, what are the, you know, college football teams? What are the universities? What's the NCAA gaining from us? And when the answer is, you know, $7.8 billion, it's, you know, it's hard to say that, you know, these players don't deserve a little bit more outside of their, uh, just their scholarships and, and what they're gaining from that. So there, you know, there's definitely both sides and I see both sides to it. Uh, but, as these numbers keep going up that these TV deals and, and these universities are making, uh, similar into the NFL, how they, you know, as, as those deals go up, these salaries keep going up. Quarterbacks keep signing these mega new deals. So, you know, interested to see how that turns out. All right. That's going to have to be the last word for this segment. But I'm going to have one more thought on it anyway next quarter. Hang in there. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's Landon. I'm Jim. We were debating in quarter number two. We fought it out. 
between segments, made our peace. Landon has a little bit of a bloody lip that I gave him, but he still survived it. Anyway, I did want to give you one final thought on the uh, players getting compensated. Actually, I was playing devil's advocate because I do believe the players are the major part of the game, Landon, and do deserve compensation beyond you know, the scholarship and tuition. Partially because there is so much money, and there are so many people who are making a lot of money. And, you know, coaches, I just saw, I think with Sarkeesian, is going to be at $10 million a year. You know, if you have coaches making that kind of money, you know what? I don't care how good a coach Nick Saban is. He's not winning anything without the studs on the field, okay? And that's the, they deserve compensation. I just think two things. One, the devil's in the details of it is how you do the compensation. The other part of it is how much trouble will there be? Is someone going to be yelling, are there Title IX issues? If I'm giving 85 you know, football scholarship players money, I don't know the answer to this. Do you have to give women, that many women, the same amount of money, Landon, which that brings all of a sudden, whatever you were going to pay, spend, you have to spend twice as much if that's the rule. Yeah, that, you know, that's the issue. I mean, not, not necessarily issue, but that is the, that is the problem that presents itself in, you know, in collegiate sports is title nine, you kind of have to take care of everybody. I mean, that's, we've seen that you can't, you can't essentially discriminate just because we know that football you know, makes all the money for most universities. That's how it works. Uh, but, you know, every every uh, sport has to see their chunk of it. And, you know, and then real quick, I do want to touch on the fact, you know, just talked about Steve Sarkeesian, you know, inking, you know, 10 million a year and a lot of coaches making over eight, nine million. And I think that's why we saw NIL come to fruition was because we had these kids, you know, coming coming from different places. Some kids I've, I've spoken about, I knew guys that, you know, we get before NIL happened, we would get a stipend, uh, you know, you get, you know, about 1500 a month, maybe something like that. Part of that's to, that's to pay your rent. Um, and um, among other things, uh, you know, any different schools are different, but it's anywhere between about 1500 and, and 2000. Um, and guys are sending that home to their families, you know, people, you know, barely being able to get food, stuff like that. And then you go to your head coach's house, and he's making eight, nine million a year, has four or five houses around the United States. And I think that's kind of what started to tick people off a little bit. And it's, hey, these kids are, some of these kids have nothing. They're getting, they're getting virtually nothing. And the coach that coaches them, you know, yeah, he does a good job. But, but what is he without these players? He's not anything. So it's, you know, it, I definitely think the, the head coaches starting to make egregious amounts of money um, w- was a big reason for NIL really, really coming to the surface and people starting to be able to be paid. And just one last follow up to it is there were other people making a lot of money, not just the coaches and assistant coaches who were starting to make a million dollars, $2 million as coordinators, but also administrative people and conference officials and NCAA people, you know, people off the field that, you know, I'm not saying there isn't talent or skill there, but there are people that could be pretty easily replaceable you know, bringing down six and seven figures, uh, it's not right when the players aren't getting that money. Anyway, let's circle back a little bit to um, 
the rules changes that we were talking about earlier. We had Salty Jim going off on the two-minute warning. And then again, it's more about what they did before and what the goals were, which are sometimes inconsistent, except for one thing. It's to take care of television, okay? That's the root of Salty Jim. Television is running the roost, okay? Forget the NCAA, even forget the conferences. It's ESPN and Fox. But another rule... Uh, where I'm not going to go off with Salty Jim, is they've talked, uh, Landon, about having the helmet communication like they do in the NFL. And I can't see a downside to it. Can you? No, I can't. And honestly, I I never understood why it, it was against the rules. Um, in high school, I went to uh, you know a pretty a top program in high school, and we had tablets on the sidelines. Uh, you know, if you, you see those, you see sometimes the quarterbacks in the NFL spiking their tablet into the bench or into the ground <laughs> after they throw an interception some assistant comes over with the tablet and says here tom brady look what you did wrong he looks at it and then spikes it into the ground you know so i a lot of teams had that in high school um and college just completely goes away um there's no communication through the helmet that's completely illegal and there is no uh you know devices allowed on the sideline uh, as far as being able to watch any play um, and I, I think originally it was kind of made to keep people uh, from cheating. And as we've seen, people <laughs> are a little bit more inclined to cheat because, you know, in college football, you know, doing signs, signals, things like that is very popular because in the NFL, you know, the, the offensive coordinator, the head coach, he's calling the play in to the, to the quarterback. And then the quarterbacks, you know, telling the offense because they have what's called the green dot. If you look, you'll see a green dot on the uh, quarterback's helmet and then normally on the middle linebacker's helmet. Uh, so you can have communication with at least one player on the field. You're only allowed to have a communication with one singular player on offense or defense at, at a time. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where it's it's just you're kind of just putting teams at a, at a disadvantage. And if you want to see the best football possible, you know, g- give these teams every advantage. Uh, you know, I'm a, we're on the sideline and we come off the field as an offensive line and we're saying, hey, what blitz did they just run? What what blitz was that? You know, where we we kind of know that they run five or six blitzes. We're trying to figure out was that a different variation? Did they kind of change it up on us this week? Well, we can't really know. The best we can do is the GA up in the box calling down to say Coach Trotwine saying, "Hey, I, I think it was this blitz. I, I can't really tell, but from what I saw, I think it was this." Well, that's not really any good. But now you have a tablet, Coach Troutwine, instead of being on some whiteboard, and mind you, we had a lot of rain games at Penn State, there'd be times where he can't even write on the whiteboard because it's <laughs> raining so hard, so we're just talking about it. We can't even write it all out, and it's, that's you know very important to be able to write it out. So it would be really nice if we could turn around a tablet and say, hey, this is the blitz we ran. This is what we expected. It was, they did, they're doing this instead. You know, This is what we're going to do to fix it, and here we go. Let's go out the next drive, and let's be prepared for it. Um, so, you know, having a tablet on the sideline allows for that type of thing, allows for better football. Um, and then obviously, like I said, the communication side of it, the the whole Michigan scandal and outside of Michigan, I guarantee you. And I know for a fact, there was other teams, uh, that are, that are stealing signals. And I'll go as far as to say that certain, you know, certain teams, they have people on their roster that their job is to study TV tape and, you know, and look for any signals they can get. I mean, the people, that's really some people's job description uh, for, for these, for different college football programs. All that goes out the window. It's, it's really not difficult. 
you know, all, all these college football programs, they have enough money to put, you know, one radio in, in the quarterback's helmet and then one in whoever you want on defense. Like I said, it's normally the middle linebacker uh, that, that gets that responsibility. And then you're just able to communicate better. There's no signals. Uh, it, it is a lot. It's a lot for players to not only know the plays in college football, but then you got to remember every single signal that goes with plays. And, you know, that can sometimes have confusion. We've had guys go the wrong way just because, you know, they see the signal and they think it's right. Well, sometimes there's not enough communication. And if, if you have Drew Allar back there saying, hey, you know, it's, it's this pass play or we're running this run play, everybody then can talk, communicate, okay, and we're good to go. Um, so I, I, all I see is just being more efficient uh, for, the, for the game of college football. And I don't really know if I see a downside to it. I, I think it's time. I think college football is evolving uh, a ton and has evolved a ton in these past really three, four years, uh, kind of since COVID and since NIL came to fruition. And I think it's time to definitely to, to, to allow any type of technology that the NFL has to allow that in college football. Now, as a player, you're obviously more aware of the sideline, the tablet there. And I don't know if their initial reason for not allowing that was, could that somehow be used in another way? You know, I can get the television feed or theoretically I could get a feed from somewhere else that's a camera in the stadium that's on the opposing team. You know, people are so, as we found out, as you said, you know, with Michigan, people can get really creative with their cheating. Um, and not that I guess it's impossible with the helmet thing for, for cheating. I guess there could conceivably be ways to intercept that. But the NFL, as you said, has been doing it for years and I don't recall any incident with it. And as you pointed out, you know, if the guys are on the sidelines with signs, there's a potential not just for that to be stolen, but uh, for confusion, which I don't think is a good thing for the game. You know, that uh, you could, uh, I suppose you could argue, well, teams that are better, smarter, communicate better, that should be part of the advantage. Eh, I'm not so sure. I like the idea of the coaching staff, If as long as they're going to be calling plays, which they're going to be. There was a time many years ago, by the way, Landon, before your time, like us old timers would remember it, you know, John Brody and Bart Starr would call their own plays, okay, with the quarterback. Were you aware that that happened years ago, Landon? I I, I was somewhat aware, and I, honestly, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty unique thing. Um, and you know, I think to to a certain extent, it it happens when with very veteran guys. I think towards the end, Big Ben, Tom Brady, those guys to some extent were calling their own plays, especially in in two minute drills. But hey, I, I wouldn't be totally against that. I think sometimes the offensive coordinator can can, can kind of you know overcoach and be a little overbearing. Sometimes you get, sometimes you got to let let the quarterback sling it, let him call the shots. I'm not fully against it, Jim. We need we need to we need to bring back bring it back from from the the 1950s or 60s back back when you were in college. No, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, <laughs> Just for clarification, Jim graduated in 1981. However, <laughs> I do remember watching football games in the 60s, Landon. The Ice Bowl, the Frozen Tundra, Green Bay, the Packers, Cowboys playoff games, uh, AFL football, which was a lot of fun. I don't know if you read that in your history books. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that some other time over drinks. But I do believe I'm with you completely. The communication, the headset, being able to communicate directly. The technology is there. It's easy. It's not a big deal. Why not do it? And as you pointed out, which is a great point, it will create a better product. And isn't that what you want to do? So, all right, Landon, that is it. We're we, we're having disagreements and controversy today. I'm going to bring up a serious controversial topic in the next segment. Be ready for that, my friend. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Landon on Jim. It's quarter number four of our show. Landon, we got a little bit more serious topic to tackle here in quarter number four. Some news came out this week about the board of trustees having meetings discussing the possibility of naming the field at Beaver Stadium Joe Paterno Field. Um, And for those of us in the Penn State community, we know there are conversations. This conversation has been going on for years, literally. And Somebody put out an article, which the national news picked up. So all of a sudden, it's a national story once again. And the uh, national media reaction is fairly predictable. Um, calling the the last article I saw called the Board of Trustees tone deaf. So we know where the national media is going to come from. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, Landon, you already called me an old man here earlier in the show. <laughs> But uh, there were those of us who lived through this controversy, this scandal when it happened and have, you know, all of us, our own reactions to it, having lived through it. You, your teammates, your classmates, any, you know, student in Penn State, I think would be have been too young to really appreciate what was going on at the time. So my first question to you is just the take from you from the team what is the awareness of you know joe paterno in general and his career at penn state and the scandal yeah i think first off from a you know standpoint of being a football player here at penn state and when you commit here you do understand what happened you know what happened and you know there are some conversations about it that you have to conduct yourself in a certain way and even though that you know I wasn't even born when it when it happened. You know, there's certain ways that we need to conduct ourselves because of what happened uh, and just be a little bit more cautious than, say, other programs. Uh, you know, something, for example, I talked about on, you know, last week's podcast, how uh, when there's someone new in the program, we, you know, do a song or a dance um, and that's it. That is the only any type of form of hazing, if you even want to call it that. It's not hazing, but, you know, just introduction. Um, and, you know, and that is to kind of set the precedent 
uh, from Coach Franklin and down that that's the only thing that is allowed at all. You know, we have to be very careful what we do and, and how we uh, how we conduct ourselves and uh, because of what happens. So, you know, we, we understand that. Um, and, it you know, we understand what kind of impact that had on Penn State. Uh, personally, me, I've watched many documentaries and, you know, done some research on it, uh, you know, because I, like I said, wasn't really alive when, you know, when too much was, when all that was kind of going on and then, you know, came out when I was, when well, I was a kid. I was, a, you, you were a young person. Well, I was you young. I'm, well, well, I'm <laughs> saying, oh, was, I'm sorry. I'm more when it was, you know, I more meant when it was You're claimed that. feel even older, Landon. <laughs> yeah, I, I was more referring to, you know, when everything was kind of going on, not when it came out. But when I came out, you know, I was a young kid and I really didn't have any credence in Penn State or Penn State football. So, you know, it's a very different perspective, I feel like. Uh, for for us, you know, for us young players, but we absolutely understand, uh, you know, the the impact it had on Penn State and kind of what that means and how we need to 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 go about our uh, our actions kind of on a daily basis. Well, it it's interesting and I think a very healthy take that the coaches have taken, uh, if that's the way it's presented, that because of what happened as a Penn Stater, you better carry yourself in a certain way. So it kind of leads to this discussion of, is it appropriate to make it a Joe Paterno field? What do you think? Yeah, um, you know, I think obviously it was introduced by the Board of Trustees. And, you know, we understand that Joe Pa was one of, if not the most influential people for Penn State as a whole. I mean, completely changed what it meant to be a Penn Stater. uh, and, And Penn State football took it from just, you know, something that was just kind of whatever and people playing out here in the in the cornfields of uh of middle of nowhere pa and, and turned it into a powerhouse so you know and and even beyond that we understand from his academic prowess uh you know what he demanded of his players all, all that stuff he set the standard for penn state and penn state football um so that that definitely is not lost on anybody and you know i think from my point of view it's one of those things where the board of trustees a lot of them had close relationships uh with joe pa obviously one of them, his son, you know, I feel like it was almost, they want to make it right. They feel like, you know, to a certain extent, his name was tarnished and many Penn Staters, uh, people that aren't just on the outside from the, you know, on the inside, people that have been around, they kind of understand what happened. And they felt that in the national media that he saw way too much scrutiny that he didn't deserve. Um, and then, you know, kind of was pushed out because of it. And so, you know, I think it's it's one of those things where there's almost uh, let's make this right type deal. And like I mentioned, every because what he did for this university, he does deserve it. He absolutely deserves it. Um, but do I think, you know, I think there's also a timeline factor. You know, I think maybe a little bit longer down the road when we're a little bit farther away removed, uh, when it's a little bit more. I mean, obviously, it's history when it's a little bit more history. Um, you know what I mean? I think people people love the name Beaver Stadium. Um, I, I just don't think for right now that needs to change. Is he deserving of it? I think absolutely. But I just don't think right now is the best time to, to, to make that change. Well, from my perspective, having gone through this, and I had an interesting uh, conversation with our colleague Jeff Byers, where essentially he said there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. Mm. And he felt it was right. And those of us who lived through it at the time, and I'm going to set Jerry Sandusky aside and, you know, going to talk Joe Paterno. 
And I think a lot of us who are Penn Staters feel he was wronged and he should not have been tarnished in the whole incident. And you could probably even add in a couple of administrators who actually did jail time over this, who probably didn't deserve that either. And because these were people that many uh, many Penn Staters knew from within the community, it was hard for them to accept that. And they still want to do something. They want to correct the wrong that was done. And I understand and I get that. But one of the things, and I've said this for many years, the problem, and I was usually talking in terms of the statue and bringing that back out again. The problem I see with it is I am so mistrusting of the national media, uh, Landon, and what they will do. We are, you know, 10, 12, 12, 13 years removed from it. And not that it's forgotten, but it's at least put into the past. And now in doing anything like this, it's like picking at the scab. And there's going to be blood again because the national media, they already decided. And they decided before it was even went to court who was guilty. And everybody was guilty. And a lot of people have not changed their minds. And I'll give you one quick anecdote, not to go off too much on this, uh, Landon, but I remember a few years back talking to a, a Penn State administrative person who was not here during the scandal, but came in and talked about um, fixing Penn State's culture. There was nothing wrong with Penn State's culture. You know, the entire university was painted by this. So I think everybody who's the part of the Penn State community feels they were wronged by it. And a lot of them want to fix that, correct it, and feel like this is part of it when I'm afraid it's going to have the exact opposite effect, Landon. Yeah, I think you make a good point there, Jim. And, and, you know, we saw, like you said, we saw what the national media did. And when the national media decides, uh, you know, a certain, certain way on a topic, that is how it's going to be perceived to the public. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. It, there was such a black cloud over Penn State University as a whole. And I think to a certain extent, you know, we've moved on from that. And, there, you know, there's still whispers of it. But for the most part, we have, you know, moved on. Do we want to reopen that can of worms and allow the national media to come back and, you know, spray all these articles about, Penn State and, you know, whatever they may say and, and call us names and just, you know, not good publicity for the University of Penn State. You know, do we do we want to open do we want to allow that and just kind of and just kind of open up, open us up to that type of scrutiny? Um, so, you know, there is that part of it. But, you know, I don't think and then there's I think there's also other ways to honor them. I personally think taking down the statue was a complete mistake. Um, you know, I understand why they did it, because like we talked about, the level of scrutiny that Penn State was facing, they had to do stuff. They had to do stuff to kind of try their best to recover that name. But, you know, I, I would like to see something like that, maybe some type of statue, you know, something of that nature. Um, I just think completely renaming the, the stadium that Penn State football plays in at this moment, like you said, just invites, invites a lot of people to say a lot of negative things about Penn State. I'm not sure what the the ultimate goal is, and since nothing has happened yet, you know it's probably still up for conversation. I think a lot of folks, it's they want Paterno Field 
at Beaver Stadium. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I know there are some people who will say, well, maybe we should do something while Sue Paterno is still with us that, you know, it would be appropriate to honor Joe while she's still around. And I think that's a valid argument on that side of it. It, it truly is. But the the national media, it's one of those things, Landon, that they get it wrong, I think, so many times. And back again, living through that, some of the things that they were putting out as statements of fact were not. You know, things that I... I can tell you definitely were inaccurate. It didn't matter because that was the national media and they smelled blood and they were after it. But we found out like things like the Duke lacrosse case where the media does get it completely wrong. But as they always say, that's the headline on page one. You know, the correction is on page 22 in a little paragraph and you will never get the same headlines with the correction, Landon. Yeah, no, like absolutely, Jim. Uh, you know, the national media—they will say what they want to say. You know, carry on with whatever story they want to carry on. Um, and you know, but I think there also is the side of it. And you know, I unfortunately was never able to meet him, and I wish I was able to. Um, but you know, talk to Superterno, talk to people around him. You know, what do you, what really would he have wanted? Do you think that he would want Beaver Stadium to be renamed and him, his name take that place? Um, you know, there, there is that side of it. You know, figure out what, what, what he would have wanted most. Um, and you can go from there. But, you know, it's, I, I definitely think this, uh, it, it does invite a lot of, uh, a lot of scrutiny to be, to be put over Penn State here if we do go along with this. What I always liked at Penn State was, the stadium is named after a school president. The library was named after the football coach. That's going to have to be the last word, Landon. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.